My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. When the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they themselves got into boats and came to Capernaum looking for Jesus. And when they found him across the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered them and said, Amen, amen, I say to you, you are looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Do not work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him the Father God has set his seal. So they said to him, What can we do to accomplish the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in the one he sent. So they said to him, What sign can you do that we may see and believe in you? What can you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the desert, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. So Jesus said to them, Amen, amen, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave the bread from heaven. My Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger, and whoever believes in me will never thirst. The Gospel of the Lord. We're human too. That was the quote that made up an unconventional headline out of the Summer Olympics this past week. Particularly since we're so used to hearing from a medal winner or from an individual who has just set a new record, what made this especially noteworthy was that this headline and those words came from a young woman who didn't compete at all. Simone Biles, who has been called one of the greatest gymnasts of all time for the United States Olympic team, and considered one of the leaders for her fellow athletes this past Tuesday, shocked the sports world by withdrawing for competition. And she explained that, that physically she felt fine, but she, she was overwhelmed with the mental stress, the, the pressure she was feeling to perform. And she didn't believe she was in the right headspace for the competition which she explained as she said, we're human too. What made it so remarkable though, was that in front of an international audience, one of the most public stages you can find, you had someone very vulnerably owning her weaknesses and courageously sharing it with this, this bold step that by the reaction caught many by surprise. In some ways, it even eclipsed some of the winners and the celebrations that usually accompany all those triumphs. Because all week, those words, were human too, has been inspiring a, a lot of thought and discussion and reflection, whether it was from her fellow athletes 
or commentators from around the globe. What exactly does that mean, though? We're so often tempted to believe that our identity, who we are, is tied to what we achieve, and that we're diminished by our weaknesses. We let the accuser, that would be the devil, to lie to us, to say that our failures, our sins, our setbacks, that that's what defines us. And because so much of our culture and our world is consumed with feeling-oriented affirmations, we can find ourselves looking for that satisfaction in external things. So people tell themselves and they're convinced that when I get that job or that promotion, if I get accepted to that school or that program or that team, When I win, if I get the gold, then I'll be happy. Then I'll be satisfied. But the reality is that those things often result in a moment of happiness, and then that satisfaction will pass. That job or that promotion will eventually have stresses similar and possibly even greater than the ones you had before you got that job or promotion. The excitement of getting accepted to that school or that program or that team often brings other expectations, whether real or imagined, to perform in a way to justify getting into them. And the athlete or the team that that triumphs, the day after the celebration ends, the next question is, can you do it again? When we're pursuing the things of this world, when we tie our happiness and our satisfaction to them, when we pin our identity to them, we find ourselves constantly on the the hamster wheel, spinning a lot of energy, but not really moving anywhere. Which is what is happening to the crowd in today's gospel. This is our second of five weeks that we're gonna be hearing from the chapter six of the gospel of John. It's kind of like a, a mini summer retreat where we focus on one of the most treasured sections of scripture where the focus is on the gift and the mystery that is the Eucharist, that Jesus gives us his very flesh and blood to eat in the communion that we receive, that he's as real and present in that host as he was 2,000 years ago speaking to his disciples. And we started last Sunday with John recounting how Jesus was able to feed five, probably closer to 10,000 people by taking five loaves and two fish and miraculously multiplying them to the point that everyone, as John put it, added as much as they wanted. So much so that they ended up with 12 baskets of leftovers. They were full, they were satisfied. And then they digested that food and now it's the next day and understandably they're hungry again. That's what causes them to search out Jesus again the next day. They're looking for the one who did the miracle of the loaves and fishes to now do the miracle of the waffles and the eggs, so to speak. The miracle had caught their attention in providing abundant food to a very hungry crowd, so you can't blame them for wanting some more. But Jesus wants to open them up to seeking something more. As he says, do not work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. 
That changes the, the conversation and the focus, not just in that moment for that hungry crowd, but for anyone curious about who they are as human beings. Why are we here? Where are we going? Jesus wants us to be clear. We're created by God. We're made for communion with him. He wants us to have eternal life. This puts the crowd in the gospel in an awkward spot. They know what Jesus is capable of and able to do. They witness and experience it themselves, how seemingly effortlessly he's able to attend to a very human want and need, which is now returned. But will they accept that miracle as a sign of who Jesus is, God incarnate, and now listen to what he's trying to say to them? Or are they going to stay fixated on their very human wants and needs? And that's the question that we're left with, too. It's a good thing for us to pray for our wants and needs. There's nothing wrong to pray for that job or that promotion or to get into that school or that program or team. Even that you want to excel or win at something that you're pursuing. But only, only as a means to come to know and love God more. Only as a means of glorifying Him and seeing that as part of us recognizing our dependence on Him, our desire to grow closer to Him now and for all eternity. And that's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's why we heard it, that second reading from St. Paul to the Ephesians saying to us, put away the old self of your, your former way of life, corrupted through deceitful desires. Be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self. Paul's telling us to, to resist that, that human urge that limits our, our visions and our pursuits that are consumed with, with gaining physical pleasure and minimizing physical pain, that fixates on being validated and affirmed in all the things and honors of this world and instead to live lives that are on that new self that we became when we were baptized. In short, we're to desire the food Jesus is offering and renewing our minds by doing the works of God, believing in the one he sent, Jesus. The crowd in the gospel say they want that food, they want that bread of life. They say, give us this bread always. There's a desire and there's a fascination with Jesus. But do they really want this? Do we? Truth be told, I would probably be with that crowd who had the free dinner and now is looking for a Pop-Tart or something the next morning. We're so often distracted by the day-to-day -day with our legitimate concerns and worries, which is completely understandable. And Jesus doesn't want us to feel badly about that. He wants us to go him with those things. He wants us to have faith in him and to trust him. But once we do, then we have to be open to what he says to us, particularly about ourselves. Because when the devil lies to us and says our failures, our sins, our setbacks are what defines us, he looks at us from the cross and tells us, come to me here. Bring those sins to me in confession. Receive my absolution and mercy. You don't ever have to think about those things again. He wants us to never forget that, yes, 
we're human, but we have eternal souls that are infinitely more important and precious. And he wants us to get to that place that if I get that job or promotion or not, if I get accepted to that school or that program or their team or not, whether I win, get the gold or lose or can't compete at all, that doesn't change our identity that he died and rose from the dead to purchase for us so that we would be God's sons and daughters. One of my favorite quotes from Pope St. John Paul II captures this so beautifully. When you dream of happiness, he's waiting for you when nothing else you find satisfies you, provoked you with that thirst for fullness that will not let you settle for compromise, who urges you to shed the masks of a false life, who reads in your heart the choices that others try to stifle. Jesus, who stirs in you a desire to do something great with your lives. My brothers and sisters, may we not let anyone or anything of this world deflect us from the truth, make us forget who we are, what we are, which we do when we do take to heart Jesus' words. This is the work of God. Believe in the one he sent.